You've been lied to, but you don't know how. You've searched, you've struggled, you've cried out. You want the truth, but where is it? You've wandered, you've fought, you've strived, and you have not been satisfied. What is truth? Where is truth? Who is truth? The kingdom of God. Mind control. The last days. Higher dimensions. Unity. The power of faith. Discovering the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. God has promised that he will hide us under his feathers and under his wings we will trust. His truth shall be our shield and our buckler. Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall is the premier program that is designed to center you on the kingdom of God to equip you with faith in Jesus Christ and to unveil the truth behind the lies. This program is designed to show you how to become more than you have ever imagined through the power of truth. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. And now, prepare for your host, Dan Duvall. Folks, you're listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. This program is designed to center you on the kingdom of God, to equip you with faith in Jesus Christ, and to unveil the truth behind the lies. This program is a production of Bride Ministries, and you can find us at www.bridemovement.com. Folks, I'm excited as usual about a lot of things, but... Man, this year is just starting off with a bang. And you know what? Um, what we're seeing is, in a, you know, stuff that happens behind the scenes, Bride Ministries, and all the people that I am working with is just phenomenal. The Lord has just really stepped things up. And we are seeing uh, the kingdom of God move with force like uh, no one's business. And... It's really cool. It's just really cool. And you know what? Today you're going to be listening to the product of some of that amazing breakthrough that God is delivering because our guest is going to be Robert Mitchell. And he's an Illuminati defector. And he's been on twice before, once to begin his story by himself. And in another program we did uh, called Montauk Exposed. Well, we'll be doing the second installment of his story today. And we'll be getting with him in just a minute. Before we get there, I do want to say this. Folks, we are really serious about everything that we talk about, including the agenda to create the internet-based ministry service. And we're in the process of getting quotes, like literally getting the quotes. How much is it going to cost to build a website that will allow us to have worship experiences live, followed by a message that's delivered, possibly from different locations in the U.S. or the world, depending on how we work it out. 
Um, and then the ability to integrate everybody that's involved into discussion groups following the message to build in an interactive internet-based community based around the Word of God. And we're, we're just really excited. This is going to happen, folks, and it's going to happen one way or another. I believe that God has already provided. I don't care if they tell me it costs $5,000 or $50,000 or $100,000. <laughs> we're going to build it. Now, where's the money going to come from? That's a God's call. <laughs> uh, maybe one of you. But you know what? One way or another, we're going to get there because I really, really believe in this vision. And so we're going to keep you updated on all the progression that's going on there because this is clearly the next step. We're already in. This is the first week of the new phase of discipleship at Bride. What, what is discipleship at Bride? We are intent on making disciples of Jesus Christ. And Bride Discipleship is designed to empower you to be more effective in your Christian walk, to have more authority, uh, confidence in Jesus Christ, faith, building all these things, the firm foundation to engage this world from a posture of victory. And uh, the way we do it is in the form of classes, weekly uh, weekly classes. The, the sessions are eight weeks long. And the four classes that you can get involved with are grace in Christ, the kingdom of God, and spiritual warfare. Those are the subjects that we dive into in a very deep way. And Man, it is uh, just really having a profound impact on those that have been involved. And so if you're interested in getting involved in discipleship later on, well, we have a waiting list and you can get on it. We're already in the first week. So really, realistically, no more signups for this current round because we're already in it. But you'll be first to know when we go to move into the next round of discipleship in another two months or so. Uh, this is just an ongoing agenda of Bride Ministries. Why? Because we want to see Christians getting victorious, set free, empowered. In addition to this, my books, Higher Dimensions, Parallel Dimensions in the Spirit Realm, and Kingdom Government, and The Promise of Sheep Nations are available. They're at the website. Also, the Kingdom Conference that we did, it was called the Confluence Prophetic Conference. That's the actual name of it. But they invited me to Australia to talk about the kingdom of God. And so those DVDs of that conference are now available. You can go to www.bridemovement.com, go to our books and products page, and it's there. So folks, there's a, there's a lot going on. I mean, we are helping survivors and, and you know, the more we are able to raise and the more coaches we're able to find and you know ultimately train, the more people we are going to help. Right now we're building a community of DID coaches. That's short for dissociative identity disorder. We're trying to help people recover from afflictions like satanic ritual abuse, government-sponsored mind control agendas, cult mind control uh, things. It's, it's just really horrible what we have found out is going on and we're trying to empower others to find their healing in Jesus Christ. And so, you know, most of our budget is actually at this point in time going right to the survivors that we are helping. And I want to just take a moment, as I love to do all the time, and tell my listeners, 
You're awesome. Guys, you have really been blessing us financially. And we've seen as we've been pressing into the vision that God has given us in various areas. Those that listen to this program, you've been responding. You've been praying for us. You've been giving and sowing financially into us. It's empowering us to get things done, to actually do the things we're talking about. And, you know, there's only more coming. I want to say thank you. You You know what? You're just awesome, 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 folks. Um, thank you so much for your support. And with that said, I'm not going to go on any longer. There's a lot of other things going on, but right now I want to get to our guests. So don't go anywhere. You're listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. sitting down with my guest, Robert Van Dreist Mitchell, and he has been on my program twice before to talk about some of the most radical things you can imagine. He is a bloodline Illuminati defector that I was introduced to and began working with um, in 2014. And uh, I actually met him in 2013 towards the end, and we we began working together. He is actually one of the people that those of you that support Bride Ministries um, are helping. (laughs) And, you know, the information and stories that Robert has are just incredible. And he came on my program the first time in what we called the depths of the Illuminati. And this program we are calling the depths of the Illuminati part two. The other interview that he did was with another survivor uh, to talk about Project Montauk and Montauk in general. And we just called it Montauk Exposed. And, you know, as we go further into your information, Robert, I, I just want to say uh, thank you, first of all, for being so brave as to share your story, to come forward, um, knowing everything that you are standing up against. You know, you're just uh, super brave, and I want to applaud you for being on my program. Thank you, uh, Daniel, for your lovely introduction, as usual. And it's great to be back on the show, and I hope for many more to come in the future. And 
I will continue to talk about the things that I have witnessed from childhood onwards, and I know that I got the truth on my side, and more important, our Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ. I know I'm <clears throat> going against formidable people uh, who are unfortunately ruling the earth in the physical sense, at least so they think, although not for long any, any longer in the future. But they got only their power so long we give them the power. And yeah, so long we are terrified of them, they will bully us around uh, as, as much as we allow them. And I will not anymore allow them to bully us around. So I will speak out so long, yes, I'm allowed to. And with God and Jesus Christ on my side, I know um, nothing will happen to me. I'm that confident in it. So that is, yeah, one of the reasons why I do speak out. And I'm I'm thankful to be on your show as, uh, again for the third time now. Yes, third time. So I hope it's going to be a great show again and much more to come in the future as well. But the subjects we're going to talk about today, that certainly will give a full show to think about for people. Well, there's no doubt that, and I already know somewhat of where we're going, and there's very little doubt that uh, at the end of this, whoever's listening, uh, your jaws will probably be on the floor. Um, but what's new on Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall? So, Robert, um, I want to begin with the subject of the Grimaldis. What can you tell us about that? Uh, <clears throat> the Grimaldis, uh, as you talked with, you talked, I think, the first time with Lauren, if I'm correct, uh, my protector, uh, protective altar. And she had, uh, the day after the first interview, she had a bleed through memory that she wrote down. And that goes back to my programmer, Dr. Uh, let's see, not Dr. Green, Dr. Barrington, who, uh, who is no other than the French uh, Rothschild, Baron Guy de Rothschild. <clears throat> and when I was around seven, uh, he told me at one point uh, that my family from my father's side are also related uh, to another French aristocratic family called uh, and have Italian family called the Grimaldis. And the Grimaldis, as people should know, is they are no other besides the black, nobel black nobility family. They are also the house of Monaco. They are the principality, what we call Monaco, in the south of France. <clears throat> and by Queen and I also remember mm -hmm. during my programming with, with Dr. Uh, Barrington, a.k.a. Baron Guy de Rothschild, is that I saw on a number of occasions one of the members of the Grimaldi family uh, by the name a woman, or then still a child, called Stephanie uh, Grimaldi, Princess Stephanie of uh, Monaco. I cannot say I got memories of her older sister, Caroline, uh, being around during programming or have seen on the ground of where we were programmed, but I certainly have memories of, uh, in this case, uh, Stephanie, uh, Princess Stephanie of Monaco. And 
yeah, by coincidence, my from my father's side, uh, who was also who is also in, in genetic sense related, got in genetic links with the Bowers, but it's already a handful of the Germanic Bowers, but it's a very occultic, deep and dark family going back at least minimal to the around 1200s. They were very dark and deep in the occult, and out of this family. Uh, came forth through the centuries three other major powerful families uh, among them the Rothschild family uh, another one is the House of Hanover out of which also came the House of Windsor the current um, Queen of England she is a, a Windsor or mm-hmm. they call themselves later the Windsors, they came out of it. And back in the U.S., we've got another powerful family, at least so, so they think in their own mind, are the Boots family. So in a way, in a genetic sense, you could say I am a distant cousin from all those three families as well. Hmm. And unfortunately, I dealt with all three of them in my life. Uh, the, the, the Rothschild, so all the British and the French uh, Rothschilds. Now, yeah, I dealt, because of the rituals, also with the British Queen, and even more so also with the Queen Mum. I know a lot of people in the UK, especially the, uh, the more elderly people, seem to think, oh, she was always a nice, friendly old lady, if they only knew the truth, but that's not a matter. And now, yeah, back in the States, I also dealt Unfortunately, a lot of time, Bibus Senior, who is certainly an animal in the literal sense. Hmm. <coughs> so yeah, that is part of my pedigree. Unfortunate. Okay. But so, the Grimaldis were certainly in the mix, and they are also very deeply steeped into the Illuminati as well up till today, and also been in, this, uh, in the scene of the rituals and stuff going on, even that we don't hear much about them, they operate on a lot of the lev- levels of what we call the Committee of 300. What, what can you tell us about the Committee of 300? The Committee of 300 is like the Bilderberg Group, one of those secret uh, groups that operate behind the scene and they organize and delegate certain functions to members within the Illuminati. In this case, the Committee of 300 also controls the agencies, uh, intelligence agencies who operate in their their names. And when we talk about the Dubbelos, as we all know about 007, uh, in reality, uh, the Dubbelos don't work in reality, for our so-called countries and for the freedoms we so-called stand for, but in reality, they are they operate in name of the Committee of 300, and they eliminate any opposition against the interests of groups like the Committee of 300 and other Illuminati groups. As we already had hmm. mentioned in the first interview, or Lauren did on my behalf is that we have a faction war and uh, 
where one of the other members of the uh, the Rothschilds I dealt with through my entire life, Evelyn Robert de Rothschild, is that he found out in May of 1977, I was then around 13, at that particular time I was at his mansion, and one of his aides came in running and, and told the bad news that their agents in Russia had overheard that some of the members of the Romanovs had survived and that they had been building up ever since uh, their empire in secret. And at the moment you could say we got two frac- two main factions within the intelligence community, uh, the ones under the, uh, the Rothschilds and the, and the uh, Committee of Free 300, and then the one under the, the Romanovs who uh, controls the Russian Federation completely, they controls China and all its apparatus and all its military, they controls completely North Korea, uh, they now also controls a big part of the Iran uh, and its upcoming nuclear power and, and missiles, and they also work now in alignment with various Muslim factions, including Das, or what is also known as uh, ISIS. And what people also should know, this faction war between the Romanovs, and in this case, the, uh, the Rothschilds, is that we also talk about two Jewish factions. We talk about the Ashkenazi Jews that came from Sumeria, over uh, between 500 and 700 AD to South Russia, to the state, to the country, or what we now know as Georgia in the Caucasus Mountains, and they intermingled with the local people that were also known as Kasarian, as Kasarian people, or something like that. And the the Romanovs, they are they became the Kasarian Jews because the Kassarians took over the Jewish identity when the Ashkenazi Jews came over uh, to that area, and the Kassarian people took over their identity, and later the Ashkenazi Jews went from southern Russia, Georgia, and surrounding in the, in the Caucasus, they went over to the west, Western Europe, and they became later on European banking houses and and they mingled with and mixed themselves in genetic sense with royalty and, and all the other factions that were going around in Europe. And one of the most powerful people among the uh, Ashkenazi Jews are of course now the Rothschilds. And when we talk about this faction war on this part, we talk about two sides of the same coin of the synagogue of Satan Jews, if that is how you can call it, because none of them is of the Davidian line of the Jews, and uh, they almost had murdered out the Davidian line in the Second World War with Hitler, with the concentration camps and all that, but that's a different story. But the Committee of 300 is a committee what is based around the 300 most powerful families 
besides the 13 families that has already been identified by various authors in their books. So besides the Rothschilds, the Romanovs, or not the Romanovs, but besides the West European uh, upper-class families uh, and, and the North American upper-class families, mm-hmm. the Committee of 300, they got the other 300 families uh, that don't belong to the top 13 Illuminati bloodlines. And shortly after you came on my program for the first time yes. as Lauren, and uh, for those of you that don't quite understand that, that was explained in the first program uh, for someone like Robert who has been programmed with trauma-based mind control. Uh, there are the presence of many, many alter personalities. Uh, Lauren is one of Robert's protective yes. alters. And she did his first interview. Um, now we are actually talking with Robert. And so anyway, after we had done that first interview, I had another gentleman on my program, Doug Woodward, and we were talking about his latest book, Will Russia Nuke the U.S.? And I brought up what you had said, and I said, you know, well, I was told there's a faction war. And he said, that makes a lot of sense. Because some people, Robert, have in their mind that the Illuminati is just this tight-knit group of world elites that know exactly what they're doing, that are all on the same page, and that just make everything happen uh, in a very strategic and... uh, well, like a well-oiled machine, there's no kinks in it, and we're just sitting back with, you know, in, in a very hopeless position, thinking, well, there's nothing we can do. They have this totally under their control, and and really, there's a faction war. It's not as straightforward as certain people might think. That's right, because originally, what I was told, and others within Montauk. Uh, programming, especially within the indoctrination classes, is for the future, they were planning to roll out the new age of horrors, and it was planned for the, originally for the year 2000. Uh, but then, at that time, they didn't have the, the information of the Romanovs at that time, because it was then before 1977 that I was told this. But, it, you have to ask yourself, if the Illuminati is only one group of family, or, or yeah, one group, and they are so powerful, you and I wouldn't been sitting here talking about this in a certain amount of freedom. Uh, because if they are really that powerful, they, bu- they would have rolled out for Satan their empire already about 15 years ago, or even further back if they could. <clears throat> the fact that yeah, we're dealing now with two powerful groups uh, what also keep themselves up till now in balance because they are, yeah, you could say locked in this in this struggle. And you could say, oh yeah, one may couldn't try to nuke uh, the other and then it is over. Problem is, then it's for them, for them, whoever survives, there is no earth rule because if you, if you start a nuclear war for one, then the other will strikes back because that is how the whole system has been set up in the first place. <clears throat> and at the moment, <clears throat> especially the Romanovs trying also to make inroads 
in other areas that were under tight control by the Rothschilds, uh, Africa is one of them uh, because of the minerals and other things. And they also make big inroads in certain parts of South and Central America as well. Now, the Romanovs, unfortunately, also brought in a Trojan horse president in our country who was elected as president in 2008, hmm. our current uh, President Obama, <clears throat> because uh, uh, the Rothschilds, especially Evelyn and Lynn the Forrester Rothschild, who was a close friend of Hillary Clinton, wanted her in. But in the end, it was uh, the Romanovs who brought in their candidate under the noses of the Rothschilds. And part of this reason uh, was to hollow, hollow out internally uh, the military uh, might of the U.S., not only in the world to topple its military might, but also from the inside out. Uh, one of the examples is what you now see is the whole old military structure about uh, the tough men and, and all that kind of thing, about the male culture, has been now put upside down because it's now, uh, especially with the homosexuality, what is for me a completely wrong thing, but that is also now being completely allowed within the military and that also has brought a lot of uh, problems with it as well, as well. Not to mention Obama has brought down the whole the whole military, uh, not military structure alone, but also economically things completely down the drain in the U.S., how things are. If we thought, oh, things were worse under Bush Jr., that is what everybody, everybody thought. It couldn't get worse. Now, yeah, we have now seen after seven years, things have been much worse than it was ever before. Now, yeah, the main reason, and the only reason for this is, is that Obama is paid for and bought by the Romanovs in order to bring America's military might as a world power down and as such also as the military might for the Rothschilds for future things to come in the future. By the way, there is, mm -hmm. I think, Lawrence saw it online on YouTube. She saw a fragment in the documentary, I think it was one of the documentaries that she saw about Obama. And it was, this reporter went in the 90s to Russia, and he spoke with a certain group of people. They didn't say in that particular documentary that they were the Romanovs, but they did say that in 10 years' time, because this documentary, that particular fragment was from late 90s, they said in 10 years' time, they're going to bring into power in, in the U.S., a, a semi-black president. I, I call it semi because he is not black in the first place. His uh, male wife, uh, Michael or Michelle, whatever you want to call it, of transgender, is more black than Obama is in the first place. But especially when you look to Obama, he got more <coughs> the structure how an Asian looked like, especially when you compare Obama with someone from a country as Indonesia, uh, for one, but they said in the interview uh, to the reporter that in 10 years' time they will bring in their, their men, and this group that we talk about, they were associated with uh, the Romanovs. Wow. 
and uh, so it's worth trying to find that documentary. I think Lawrence saw this in one of the documentaries about how Obama came in power as the new hope for the U.S. I think that this fragment in the whole documentary is only about five to ten minutes. Okay. But it's worth for people to look, to look it up. I cannot say exactly what documentary Lauren looked at, but it's at least online in one of the documentaries about Obama that it was mentioned. And uh, so it is worthwhile for people to take a look, to look in, into the, uh, themselves. And I think then they will find out with all the things that have been happening in our beautiful country, the U.S., and how things went down the drain will make much more sense now than ever before. Hmm. But, but to come back on our story, hmm. uh, if the Illuminati was only one group with only a few families, uh, then you and I would have been talking in the freedom or relative freedom that we're still doing up till today. And that's a great point. Yes. That is, I mean, it's almost self-explanatory. And, and also, mm-hmm. Connected with Russia, of course. Uh, I, I do. I do believe, yeah, that the Illuminati will play out the things that has been written in the Book of Revelations. They did, did say in the Montauk lessons that we got, yeah, that they used the Bible as a guidebook. Right. Uh, uh, so that means, in this case, the Book of Revelations. I would guess. Because that has played out how the Antichrist come to the front, uh, and also when Israel made a false peace for three and a half years. Well, yeah, I mean, and so this is um, this, this is really just uh, quite profound information, and uh, I want to bridge now. Because with the whole Illuminati agenda, what a lot of people are really realizing at this point is that it's not just a geopolitical move to bring in a geopolitical system. It is a spiritual, transdimensional move. And a lot of people's research is leading them including mine and all the information that I'm getting from all over the place, including yourself, uh, to conclude that it's not just human agents. I mean, there are human agents working with various types of powers, beings and entities. Uh, We call them fallen angels, demons, hybrids, and everything in between. Um, What do you know? And, and, And I know that we'll be expanding on whatever you say here over time, but what can you introduce us to from your experiences um, on the subject of the uh, alien abduction agenda, what people are calling that, um, and I guess also the whole hybridization program. And of course, let me just introduce it this way, folks. The Bible is clear in Matthew chapter 24, verse 37, that as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. The defining characteristic or one of them of the days of Noah was an ongoing hybridization agenda. This was related to the Nephilim. This is what we're exploring. 
Um, Robert, what can you tell us? Okay, uh, that's on the channel already a, uh, a subject you can fill a whole program with. Connected with what we call aliens, to me they are navelim hybrids. That is the first point I want to make. I know we call them in modern day terminology aliens, and unfortunately I dealt with them myself from my first year onwards. Uh, and also before my mother died, God has a soul, she died now 13 years ago, but two years before she came clean about uh, certain things, uh, <clears throat> she told me that she was never allowed to tell anyone, as the family told, if she would tell certain things, they would put her away in an asylum for life and punish her daily in there. Mm. And one of the things she told me was that when I mentioned that I saw like what is known as little gray men, she also mentioned to me uh, then that she also saw them when she was young. So we, in her case, we talk about then in in the 1940s and onwards. And what, when we talk about the navelim hybrids, uh, people seem to think when we talk about navelim, we talk about 20 plus feet high giants. That was people, uh, when you're listening to this, that is the old navelim that we talk about in the biblical sense. But over the last three, four thousand years, also they have developing further instead of getting bigger they have now been shrinking themselves so that they also can be absorbed and, un and less detected in the human population. And when we, we, when we take a look at the whole alien abduction, it's a hybridization program in order to, to mix their genes, again, as it, as it said in, in the old times of the Bible, when the fallen angel were mixing their genes with the woman in the, in biblical times, they're doing it now again all over, but in a different package. And now they look like gray aliens, or praying mantis type, or reptilians, or even Nordics. And on that part, people always seem to think, oh yeah, those nice look Nordics, and they are, and they come here as our friends and in peace. But what people have to realize when we talk about the whole spectrum of aliens, in the end, all of them, they work for the same employer or boss, who we all know as Satan. And, he, and, and no matter if they're looking as a Nordic Pleiadian with blonde hair or red hair or brown hair, doesn't matter. Or and the reptilians, of course, they bring it now as if the Nordics are the good guys and the reptilians and the greys are the bad guys. The scenario of the good cop and the bad cop, what they are playing out, that is how they kind of look, look to appear. And also, this is all part of what they will call in the future, or what we call the great, the great deception that is coming, and they also kind of say in the future when they kind of land and make contact with the UN and other institutions and countries, they will say then to, to humans that they were the ones who created us and that they are our parent, uh, parents and, and what more, and that they come back to help us 
to overcome all the problems, etc. What is just a blatant lie? Because they are the agents of darkness from the satanic forces of Satan. And the whole hybridization program, again, is in order to mix their genes, to pollute the human genes with their own, and to create hybrids that can be demonized, that can, in which they can put a disembodied or disincarnated spirit, or what we call a demon, can put it in there, and that they can create from the inside out again more havoc. Also, part of this is also to corrupt the human genome again, so that God also will go against us. Because, as in biblical times, we are also allowing us to get our genes being polluted, in this case by aliens, who, of course, from the start has been telling us to lie, yeah, that they are here for the good and they are here to help. Well, that is just a blatant lie and nothing more or less. And concerning my own life, I had hundreds, if not thousands, of abductions through my complete childhood and adult life. And most of those abductions, uh, I was brought to various places, so on this earth, under the earth, and also on the moon. And in those bases, it was not only the gray aliens or reptilians that I also have seen, but also other beings. But in my opinion, when we look to the grays in particular, they are robotic. And they also possess, like what you see with certain insect and hive mind. But they certainly don't have a soul matrix or certainly not the soul as how God created us humans. Uh, so I will say to people when you, de- when, when you deal with this subject and especially in the future when the government kind of come up with uh, telling us they made contact with beings from the Seta Viticoli or uh, Wolf some some other planet with a certain number or the Pleiades don't trust the source or the government in this because we're talking about demons in a new package. It's now, nothing more or less. Let me um let me ask you this because you you brought up uh, specifically Greys, reptilians, yes. Nordics, and and praying mantis type. Uh, I, I'm just gonna ask you um just to simply do this because you've had hundreds of encounters and experiences and I think that's probably low-balling it Um, can you give us one account one story that comes to mind involving the greys now the first moment that comes to mind and my first experience that my mother told me I was around one year old, and my uh, my door of my room, and also the windows were closed, and the nanny, according to my mother, came in, and I was completely disappeared out of the room, while the doors and the windows were closed. And, and suddenly, uh, around midday, uh, the neighbors were yelling, as my mother told me later, because they saw me materialize back on the rooftop what was about 15 to 20 feet high. And I was 
materialized back on the rooftop in a sitting position as if I was playing with another playmate, as they said. And so that was quite shocking what my uh, the, the neighbors told my mother because my mother was um, out for work that day. But it was only the first experience. I had also, as a child, experienced that I saw a ball, an orb, or what we call now orb, or a ball of light appearing out of nowhere, and out of there opened up kind of a portal, and I saw a face of a gray stepping out. And I was taken and taken through through the portal into a ship, or what I think was a ship. But I had hundreds of experiences like this. Another one that I remember very well, that was when I was, I came to Europe as a student, and it was in the early eighties, and I was in as a student in a country called Holland. And at one night, I woke up. I was not living far from the beach, five miles or something. And I felt the urge to go on the bike and to go to a certain spot in the dunes with the woods around. And I crawl over the fence and I saw a light between the trees. And I remember it was around the time, around 1.30, 2 o'clock in the morning, I only remember walking to the light, and I remember after that, I walk back to the bike. I, I, I drive back to the place that I was living, and by then it was about five o'clock. So something about three and a half hours, or three hours went by with no memory of it, but I remember the, the, I, if I'm correct, the day I remember was on a Tuesday, on a Wednesday, that this experience happened, must have been around November, in, yeah, in the early part of the 1980s, and it was another memory that came through, and it turned out that I dealt with, at least one of the groups I dealt with, it's the same group that uh, Raymond Fowler wrote about in in his book series called the Betty Andreessen Affair, wow. and and they were the, uh, one of the more benign ones. Uh, so far, I know they tried to repair the damage that was done by other uh, groups of aliens that I also dealt with. You know, it's it's just really interesting. I remember when I was in college. Uh, someone was telling me they had some family in Mexico. And of course, anyone that does their research knows that Mexico has a significant amount of what we would call UFO activity. It's yes. just pretty widespread there for some reason. And uh, so they had some family out there. And they were telling me that this this little girl cousin of theirs, or second I, I don't know what, but the, 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 the family was pretty used to this poor little child being fairly strange um she would just disappear and reappear and I, and i was like you know they were telling me this and i'm like this is just i mean are you sure she's not just like crawling out behind the house and coming back in like and how do you just not be concerned that your child just disappears and reappears like to me in my mind i just hit a total 
mental block wall. It's like, what you're telling me doesn't make any sense. But now I'm listening to you and you're like, yeah, you know, as a little child, I disappeared and rematerialized. Like, whoa, uh, that sounds familiar. I think um, that whatever these things do, uh, that that is one of the trademarks, especially maybe, I don't know, with these little children. So, okay, let's move down the list. Uh, you mentioned reptilians. Can, can you give us one uh, experience or encounter that comes to mind dealing with these guys? No, I dealt with various types of reptilians throughout my life. Uh, one of the main ones were unfortunate. The Draco reptilians, of course, they also were related again with the other subject of the other interview with the Montauk. And uh, they were one of the controllers behind the Montauk uh, project. But during certain abductions with certain groups, because I dealt with various groups what looked like greys, it doesn't mean that they are one and the same, because you can see slightly the differences between them. Uh, some, as I said, that I dealt with were more, felt more benign in their actions. I noticed with this particular one that I talked about before is they seemed to notice when certain procedures were painful and they had a type of a device, like a wand type of device, and they went over the place <clears throat> what was hurting when they did the procedure, and the pain disappeared. Well, I had also experiences with other type of grace, and they couldn't give a damn if I was screaming out of pain at all. <clears throat> so even wow. among among those various groups, there's a degree of, I'm not sure you can call it empathy or or things like that, but some seem more benign than others. <clears throat> out of my experience is what I've noticed. But I've also just seen uh, Grace with the, with, the, with the other extreme who doesn't seem to care and they are, what I said, they are just like, seems like robot, robotic. They just do what they have to do with with no emotions whatsoever. They are, I have noticed they are all telepathic because they only work through mind and through thought projection is what I have noticed. And one of the greys that I dealt with, I got a feeling they were the ones that are known as the Orion greys. And I was brought by them on board of what looked like a big mothership. I saw loads of other people on board as well, between various ages. People that were around my own age, around there as a child, up till even grown-ups. And also they had reptilians on board in some cases, or even in other cases, I saw, I saw like the insect type of creatures, as we call the praying mantis type. And then wow. we were shown all kinds of images uh, for what they said will happen in the future. Of course, what they said, they didn't say it's kind of... They didn't say it's going to happen on different timelines. So what we have seen <coughs> events, because some of the events they had shown shown us, I have not seen on this earth yet. So it could have been that they were also talking about events that could have happened on a different timeline. 
if you get my meaning. Well, and <laughs> getting into the concept of multiple timelines, um, I think is a real challenge for a lot of people. Um, let me just say this, folks, for those of you that are listening. Um, the way God ordered creation seems to be very layered. And um, if you think about how a piece of paper can have parallel lines drawn on it, um, what you will see is that you can put a one-dimensional line next to another one-dimensional line, that dimension being length, in a two-dimensional plane. Um, What seems to be the case is that when you have a three-dimensional Earth running through time, um, once you realize it exists in higher dimensional planes like four and five dimensional space, it makes room for the understanding that there could be parallel universes and Earths that uh, do have some form of an existence where um, events of possibility can be placed. Um, And so this becomes part of the conversation with someone like Robert, because uh, we run into things that seem to actually be occurring on other timelines that somehow uh, can create a type of bondage or a type of tie-in to what the person is experiencing here. And uh, it it just gets very, very strange and hard to explain. But um, I will say this. You know, I think Isaiah 45, 7 is one of the key scriptures in understanding any of this, where we see that God, um, he says, I make peace and I create evil. I, the Lord, do all these things. And, you know, many people think, well, when I read Isaiah 45, 7, this must mean that God's a bad God because he creates evil. And what people fail to understand is that God doesn't create evil because he wants it. He creates evil because he creates choice. And so... from an eternal perspective, what I've realized is that choice exists as a creation in um, other dimensional space that can be brought into our timeline through our actions and decisions. Um, When you begin to realize that you can bridge that interdimensional space and tap into some of these things, uh, multiple timelines begins to make a lot more sense Um, as you realize there are certain things that are part of creation that we didn't really recognize as the way God ordered things. So um, with that said, uh, you know, I'm just going to come back to you, Robert, because, you know, you also brought up Nordics. I mean, do you have any explanation on, uh, you know, Nordics and what your encounter or encounters may have looked like with them? So far, the Nordics that I have encountered, again, as with the grace, they seem to be more robotic, not mm. human in the sense as we, as we look like uh, we're with a full personality. They may look human on the outside, but on the inside, they appear to be more robotic, devoid of any personality or soul. Uh, certainly without the soul, I think, because I only think... God created the human race with the soul. But that's my personal opinion on this. Another thing that you talked about, the parallel dimensions or uh, timelines, mm-hmm. Brittany wanted to say something as an illustration, how she was uh, shown 
within a month of the project. It's about time. Okay, and before and, we uh, go there, uh, folks, uh, Brittany is another one of Robert's altars that was um, created through trauma. And so just so that everyone's on the same page, uh, Brittany had certain experiences uh, that Robert dissociated from. Um, and when memories are, you know, allowed to merge um, and, and healing happens, uh, Robert is able to gain access to what Brittany experienced. So go ahead, Robert. Yes, she told me to give the example as she was shown. Uh, also, our dear friend Elena talked about what she was shown about time uh, in, two, in two ways, she said. One is like what you have with a bowling uh, lane, when you got a, with those lanes side by side by side. And she said, as she was taught, each bowling lane is a timeline. And they are very close, mid close to each other. As you said, when people experience what they call deja vu, deja vu, I think that's the term. The reason for that is is that then those two timelines crossing each other very closely, or bumping into each other, and that is why sometimes people seem to think, "Hey, wait a minute, I have seen this before." The reason for this, as Brittany would have described, is that I have been or had a peek in the other timeline about that same situation. Another way how she describes about timelines and what she also was shown is what she says is like when you take a freeway as back in LA and you got about those freeways with about eight or nine line, uh, lanes. And each lane, but it's very close next to the other. It's again a different timeline. So yeah, I want to bring this up as an illustration when we mm. talk about parallel timelines, uh, how close, when you look at from an upward position, how they can look like. Wow. Wow. But as she said, they could have all different situations because in one, mm -hmm. a, a certain person can be president. It doesn't mean that in the same timeline or on a different timeline, maybe around the same time as here, or slightly back or slightly forward in time, that the same person with that name is in, is in power as well, because the situation on a different timeline could be completely different than ours, depending on the choices that a collective of the people living on that timeline has made. Wow. Okay. Robert. If that's clear. Uh, yeah, it, we are like... <laughs> so far out there at this point I'm like <laughs> wow um, but this is good I mean the, folks realistically uh, we're talking with Robert the thing is the things that are being brought up though they may sound strange and weird well okay this is what the powers that are behind what we see being orchestrated on this planet know and have been working with for many years to manipulate your life. And at the highest levels of spiritual warfare and partnering with the kingdom of God, this is actually where the battle gets taken. And I can say that 
from a position of personal experience because these are the kinds of conversations we're having during times of deliverance and spiritual warfare. I am continually confronted with how to get people set free from various realms. Multiple timelines come into the conversation and the angels of the Lord, as we are working, are dealing with these things. And so when God begins to move and deal with things, all I can do is sit back and say, well, praise God, freedom and liberty is coming in the name of Jesus, but it's forcing us to engage this conversation, folks. And, um, you know, while you may be listening and say, well, this has no relevance to my life. Well, you live in the world uh, that I do, and it is being manipulated by the people that are dealing with these things. You better believe that it affects your life. And so that's all I'm going to say on that for now. Um, Okay, Robert, we have a lot more to talk about because you, well, you've been to a lot of places. Uh, They've used you in a lot of things. One of those places is a location called Area 52. Can you tell us about that? Yes. Concerning back to to the Naval Limb Hybrid Program, people can say this is not part of my reality. Sorry, people. It is everything to do with our reality. Because when you think about it, over the last 30, 40, 30 years, uh, we had a programming going on, social engineering program, in which we have been bombarded on a daily or weekly basis on TV with sci-fi series, with sci-fi movies, that aliens are real, and we had a number of alien shows in which alien visitors came here or they invaded Earth, uh, etc. So they already injecting this for the last 30, 40 years, that aliens are real, and that in the future we have to deal with them. And this acclimation program has been going on since the late 70s, early 80s. So people can say it has nothing to do with my reality. Uh-uh, sorry, but it has everything to do with our reality and with things to come. And, and on top of this, before I close on, on this subject, also the Vatican has already made plans. And if aliens don't exist, people, then wonder, ask yourself, why is it that the Vatican has said in, for the future, when aliens will land, they are willing to baptize them? Uh, and so that already shows that the Vatican knows certain things, but I have not told the, the massive population as yet, but that they know is coming. Otherwise, they wouldn't make statements like this, even in interviews, uh, that they have plans for the future. If aliens want to, they can be baptized uh, in the way that we are being baptized in the church. So their aliens or the alien deception is still coming and going to be played out. And it is better that you, as public, as listening public, are waking up to this and that you don't fall into what they are setting up setting us up for because the aliens are not here to save us from all the, the, the pitfalls we are now dealing with on this earth no they are part of a demonic satanic agenda orchestrated by Satan himself and they are obeying his orders and playing out his agenda 
that's all what I want to tell about this for now, at least on this part. Maybe in the future we can go in more depth about it. Mm-hmm. Concerning Area 51, yeah, that's another thing, or Area 52. Uh, Area 51 is a certain area within the desert, uh, as we all know, and they had to come clean that they had alien ships there. But what they don't have told the public is that we have even areas like Area 52 that we talk about now, but also up till even Area 54. In my case, I have been brought, I was brought to the location, initial location of Area 51 as a starting point, but I was brought to another area that was duped as Area 52, and on that location, they have a, they have a machine that is called the Looking Glass. I was brought as part of an entourage with the Rothschild family um, to visit this place. It was around mid, between mid-90s and 2000, somewhere in between, on various, on various occasions. When I was brought there, uh, also other representatives of uh, two other bloodline families came there with their representatives, who also coincidentally are tied in with my own bloodline, what Lauren already discussed about in your first interview, connected with the DuPont family, who at that particular occasion, uh, occasion that we're going to talk about, were there as well, as well the Collins family. What a coincidence that I was there on various locations, on various occasions, that those three families came there, and they were there to, to look into the Looking Glass project, but most of all, they were there so that they would show them things, possible futures, for what is to come for those families. Uh, the Looking Glass is a piece of technology that comes from uh, what we already have described as aliens, although I call them naval hybrids, that is my word for what we call aliens. In this case, this technology came from alien, so-called aliens that came from the Orion system, and this all came out of an agreement that the government had after the Roswell uh, crash in 1947. And they were handed over this cube, this technology, and out of this they developed later on what is now known in certain circles as the, Mont- as the uh, looking glass. And we talk about, it's the technology is, a, is based on pylons, and within it they create, through organ gas, and with computers hooked onto it, certain images that are projected out of when certain person focused is hooked on the computer, and they can bring up <coughs> possible events for that particular person. <coughs> In this case, they did it for the members of the Rothschild family. Uh, in this case, also the Collins family and the Dupont family, by coincidence. I'm related to all of three of them. But they also found out when they went further in time, and they did this on various uh, occasions up till the year 2000, 2012, and they find out after 2012 
suddenly the pictures and the, and the images went black. There was nothing left. For some reason, they couldn't see further into the future or possible futures, possible timelines, uh, than, than the year 2012. But of course, it was very annoying for them because that means they couldn't cherry-pick certain things about certain events for the future what could benefit them. That is phenomenal. And, and this was in an area what was called Area 52. And it is way down further below, deeper than Area 51. It's also a number of a couple of miles way further out in the desert, but it's in the same kind of area. And yeah, this is of course much higher classified than the whole Area 51 thing, especially after Rob, Robert Lazar, or also known as Bob Lazar, of course, came out in 1998. But I got a feeling he was used uh, by certain people to bring this information out because there was a power struggle within a group called Majestic 12. I'm not sure if you have heard about that group. Tell us about it. Uh, it was a group that was uh, put up after the, the Roswell crash uh, for future uh, occasions when aliens w uh, would crash on Earth or they would uh, make contact with humans. And the government, it was, I think, not Eisenhower, Harry Truman, who orchestrated and created an executive order in 1947 after the Roswell crash to create this ad hoc group called Majestic 12. It went throughout the decades under various names. The last publicly known name was PI-40, and that was a name that they used up till the 1980s. I'm not sure the current names under whatever they operate. I do know that at one point, Bush Sr., he was one of their leaders called MJ-1. But then they had, uh, on a regular basis, a rotating uh, basis, uh, other leaders, and uh, the leadership for this group was also related to persons who at one point were also the head of the CIA. So if you can find online the various heads of the CIA over the last, say, 40, 50 years, then you get an ID who is also heading up Majestic 12. Probably you can even find out up till the present day that we talk about now. <clears throat> Although I think they have changed the name again, <clears throat> try to make it more look more benevolent than they were in the past. Um, but they made uh, certain deals when aliens came came and and uh, go and after the especially after the Roswell crash and a few other UFO crashes they had uh, they collected the dead bodies and in a few cases they even found crashed bodies that were still alive and they took them to various underground bases and they held a few uh, captives alive and got a lot of information, uh, to a certain extent, information out of it, out of them. 
1952, if I'm correct, there was another project that they set it up in order to contact, to send a contact signal to the aliens' homeworld, and they got a reply back in 53, I think, and out of this came the meeting that the new incoming president, uh, Dwight Eisenhower, had at Murrock Air Force Base in California in 1954. And if we people think Obama is the worst president that we had, yeah, even he is, by what Eisenhower did, nothing in comparison, because it was unfortunate President Eisenhower who literally sold the human race out uh, for experimentation in exchange for knowledge. Wow. Okay. And and so this goes back to the 50s. And after that, they created Area 51 for the whole alien, part of the alien thing in order to take out the UFOs and back-engineer them. So that was part of the reason for Area 51. And they created other areas, including Area 52, Area 53, and even Area 54. And last year, Hillary Clinton gave a number of speeches and they made a slip up and she uh, instead of calling it Area 51, she mentioned Area 54 Ooh. <laughs> yes so that also shows how deep she is in the know uh, and, well. uh, so and no doubt she has been to that Area 54 herself mm. and that also seemed to indicate that most likely, I hope not, but that most likely Hillary Clinton will probably our next president, God forbid us, uh, if I'm honest, although on the Republican side there's no much better choice. But nonetheless, yeah, she made the slip up, but was in, uh, what you can find online, if, you put, if people put in that are listening on Google, Hillary Clinton and slip up, Area 54, they will find the particular article, and then they can read it all for themselves. Okay, so uh, the whole looking glass thing is just phenomenal. That's a term I've heard and come across before. I've never heard anyone have as in-depth information on it. Yes, and the technology, when you stand before it, Uh, it is within a room that is about 40, 30, 40 meters in length, and the ceiling is up till 10, 12 meters high. Wow. And uh, the, the projection is between pylons, and the projection itself is like a uh, plasma screen type of thing, but it's created by organ gas type of. Uh, yeah, like organ gas. Or, yeah, it's like more like a plasma screen, and then you see living images. So far, I have not seen any sounds. But what you see on there is, as I already said, possible futures. Because I don't believe you can project the future itself, because to me, the future is, at least for me, as the collective consciousness that is in, in, in motion every second if you get uh, if you get my meaning 
Well, yeah, it, it's it's really a, a, a difficult thing to describe uh, when when you don't really have vocabulary in the normal English language for some of this stuff, and the the thing that's it's just so striking is that you know you say well there was a limitation on what they could look at 2012 that's when everything went black which means that in 2016 we're actually four years now we're going to the fourth year beyond 2012 where mm, and I think you would agree the intensity of what is going on in the heavens in other words the second heaven right above our heads so to speak in a dimensional sense is ramped up on a continual basis it is and it is a literal Star Wars warfare what is going on there (sighs) folks use the metaphor uh I think that sometimes we preach ourselves into powerlessness when we begin to look at the, the 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 power and abilities and technologies that some of these people that have been working with the dark powers have access to. Um, what uh, we don't realize is just how much power they don't have when compared with the author of creation and what he is leveraging in this season of world history. And I believe... Uh, Robert, that is, believers get on board with Jesus Christ and begin to understand that God can take their spiritual warfare to the level levels that we are in our own sessions yes. working with. The, I mean, God is able to flip the tables. Um, he is, and, and I mean, realms get implicated in God's works. Um. Angels and the armies of heaven are loosed on all kinds of agendas. Things actually change. And also the angels, as a lot of people, including Christians, seem to think, so far I can see, is that their image of an angel is like an angel on a Hallmark card. Well, come on, the reality is far from different. It's time that people start to wake up and... uh, yeah, as you said yourself, when you work with survivors like ourselves, and you call in the angels who are working from on the inside and the realms that we are connected with, they look anything but a hallmark card of angel, what apparently a lot of Christians and non-Christians seem to have as image. Can, can or you like take... the angel that we have in the Christmas tree. Can you take some time to describe some of the angels of the Lord that uh, you've witnessed? Okay. Now, yeah, some, uh, depending on their function, got like uh, four to six wings, depending on their function. Some that working with healing abilities differ from the ones as the warrior uh, angels. And also their size can, can differ from just like, let's say, like a human height, up till some angels that could be nine up till 20 feet tall or, or higher. So there's a big variety, and people must not think when we talk about what's happening on the inside, that is literally in, in our body, because our bodies, our survivors, is tied in into the other realms, if I'm correct. Uh, I think you probably can describe it better in a way how how you work with us. And a lot of the programming 
yeah, happens in, especially in our case, we are quite tied in, yeah, with a number of dimensions uh, out there. And I'm not sure how many other cases you have uh, are complicated, probably like us, but when we talk about pro uh, programming, people must not think that, oh, it's only in the physical sense in the body, and so that means that the angels must be middle school because when you talk about internal worlds, as I have seen it, those worlds from the inside, they just look as big or even sometimes bigger than we are presently in the physical world. And I know that is for a lot of people hard to describe, but when you take about us as as being programmed and with with the altars, the altars on the inside cut like normal. We see them with normal bodies, uh, as I see you humans on the outside, and we cut on the inside in in the different planes that they created. We see like buildings, uh, woods even mountains with streams. Uh, now, yeah, I'm still grateful for the things that you created for us on the inside, like my ski slope and my uh, awesome uh, water and, surf, and my, surf, my own surf bay. For that reason, I hardly come out at the moment because I'm enjoying myself too much on the inside. <laughs> well, let, me, but, let, me, let, me, let me take a moment to explain what you just said because that, okay. that's just... <laughs> <laughs> no, I just explained how I see it from the inside when I'm on the inside. Right. And and folks, the the thing is, is that while a lot of the very real and, and um, actual events that Robert is describing occurred uh, with fragmentation um, leading to mind control, there is the structuring of what people call the mind and, and many of the alters live in what we would call the subconscious. I believe that the subconscious is synonymous with the biblical revelation of the heart, which is why when you talk about the healing of victims, and I call them survivors because I don't work with victims, I work with survivors who are overcoming through the power of Jesus Christ. Um, well, they are recipients of essentially what I would call a broken heart and even a broken spirit, wherein the Bible says in Isaiah 61, Jesus came to bind up the brokenhearted. Uh, what people don't understand is that the heart, being the subconscious, interfaces with the spirit realm very effectively. And so whenever you're talking about fragmentation and the, the uh, as Robert described, the structure of internal worlds, you're talking about emerging a, a between the person and spiritual realities that do and can uh, be linked up into what we would call other realms or heavenly places because the Bible says that um, we have been raised up and seated with Christ in heavenly places, so there's heavenly places there. There's also uh, the war that we're in where, where we are uh, not wrestling with flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, and spiritual wickedness in the heavenly places. So there are many heavenly places, both dark and light. As a matter of fact, the whole spirit realm is comprised of heavenly places. This is all biblical revelation. And so these interplay with what is going on with a person, and it's strategic in order to platform humans for the very purposes and agendas of the dark powers. So 
it only makes sense that they would tie in, I would say portal in. Uh, portal simply means turn in a person into a doorway or access point for these other realms. Hence what Robert was describing, we're tied into other realms and so forth. But we also have these internal worlds. And so when you look at that, you're actually looking at both subconscious, you're looking at spiritual realities. And uh, this is the conversation. This is, this is where the healing occurs. Um, as Jesus comes in and begins to heal someone like Robert, what, what he can do is I can pray. And because he's a creative God, he can go in and put things that aid in the healing of the populations, which are the fragmented parts of Robert, such as, say, a water park full of living water, where everyone that goes into that water suddenly encounters the Bible verse that says, he who drinks of this water will never thirst again. Or as in the book of Jeremiah 2.13, when God says, I am the fountain of living waters. And uh, in the book of John chapter 7, where the Bible says, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. That spiritual element that brings healing and wholeness to our lives can actually be placed as God's solution for the healing of broken parts of a person. And so uh, when Robert describes like a water park, well, what he's describing is the very healing provision of God. Okay, so I, uh, I, I just had to say that because, man, it's just so many things, Robert, that you're bringing up. And, and uh, I'm glad you are, but people need to understand and not get lost as to what we're talking about. Um, so we were talking about Area 52. We're talking about Looking Glass. Uh, we have a few minutes left. And so before we conclude this session of, you know, <laughs> your story, so to speak, I just want to give you a few minutes and we'll say 10. Can you talk about some of the European castles and other locations that programming took place all right 10 minutes is very short for for that but some <laughs> we of the, uh, we'll have time to continue in future programs yes that's that's okay with me uh, because there's so much to tell about now one of the regular places that i have been uh, are <clears throat> the queen's uh, castles in scotland among them is balmoral uh what is yeah, what is one of the fake, uh, famous uh, castles of, of the Queen of England. And I was there brought uh, for no, yeah, rituals. Another place uh, that I was brought to on a frequent, uh, in, in a frequent way, was another one that was on the German French, no, on the Belgian French border, <coughs> called a small village, if I believe, Muno Bell, if I'm correct, and mm. it had to, what it was called, the Castle of Darkness there. It has a French name, I'm not sure how to pronounce that one, but this castle, uh, on cert in certain time of the year, during certain rituals, the high-level members of the Illuminati uh, <clears throat> came there. And they have done, among other things, like child sacrifices. The first time I was brought to that place and to that to that castle, I was about seven. In my uh, connected with the 
the castle of Balmoral, the first time I was brought by my first programmer, Dr. Green, a.k.a. Joseph Mengele, uh, I was brought to Balmoral the first time by the age of five. And that was the first time that I had to witness a literal uh, ritual in which an infant were literally, uh, you could say, ritualistic murdered for yeah for the future coming of uh, their master Satan and people were chanting. And during the ritual itself, during the stepping of the child, the infant, and the infant was probably less than one or two years old, uh, I saw them people uh, shapeshift from a human form into reptilian form. But I have to say, before this happened, each of the members of the Illuminati who were there, at a given time there were 20 to 30 people gathering in a circle, and each one has, uh, had a rope on. Each had different colors depending on how high they were in ranking and things like that. The re and, uh, and what I noticed is that they had no clothing on under the ropes. The reason for this is when the ones who are reptilian shapeshift during the moment that the child is literally killed and the, and the knife is, the dagger is stacking in, into the body and the blood comes out, uh, for for those people with reptilian genes in them, especially the ones, the shapeshifters who got a 50-50% uh, ratio of mammalian and reptilian genes, they cannot hold longer back and they will, during those type of rituals, they will literally shapeshift within matters of 5 to 15 seconds at the most. It's like a, cl a white cloud of energy comes swirling around them when they shapeshift. What only takes a very short period of time, and then they transform from a human. Let's say, if they normally about six foot, they so suddenly transform into a reptilian that could be eight up till nine foot. Uh, one of the people I have seen frequently shapeshift is the British Queen Mum the mother of Elizabeth. <clears throat> and she was then an old lady. Or, now she was then in her 60s, I would guess, or maybe late 50s from my very young childhood, but she is herself not that big. She is probably five foot something. And when she started to shape shift, I saw, her, I, I saw her up till her death when she was in the 90s, or, yes, and uh, she is quite, yeah, frail and small. But when she shapeshift, she shapeshift into a reptilian who is way over seven foot tall and very evil looking, and she's also very bloodthirsty as well. If it comes to uh, then her daughter, or the one that we know as her daughter, Elizabeth, and then her son, Prince Charles, when they shapeshift, what I have noticed is that apparently in their true form, in their reptilian form, for some reason, the hierarchy between mother and 
sun seem to fall away, what to me seemed to indicate that uh, in their true reptilian form, uh, uh, Queen Elizabeth and her son Charles seem to be each, each other's equal. Because they're fighting each other over the scraps of meat and the organs uh, when those rituals take place. Wow. And people, we have always perceived the reality yeah, with the, the queen, the queen as the head of the family, and done her, done Charles as being her son, etc. With, with also the rest of the family. But during the rituals, as I as I have witnessed myself, is that during the rituals they fighting each other to the death, almost about who get what part of the heart or the liver or whatever part they are after, and. Uh, the Queen Mom, on the other hand, a lot of people were taking a few steps back with her, but show, also shown that she was much higher in ranking than than the others. And she also shown that in, in certain ways how she treated people in, as reptilian, in a reptilian form and also in a human form, by the way. In that way, between a human form and a reptilian form, there's no much difference. See, just in a, in a normal way, as a so-called old lady, just as arrogant and cruel to people as she is in a reptilian form. But, yeah, ca uh, Castle, yeah, Balmoral Castle was one of the places I was brought frequently, and also various other places. One of them is outside of Munich, uh, in, and also in the Black Forest in Germany. In Germany, uh, there were a few castles. Yeah, no, the one in Belgium I already talked about. Also, beside the Winters, there were also a lot of other royal families that I have seen frequently uh, appearing on those rituals, including the Dutch royal family as well. And within the royalty, people seem to think that the Winters are the top dog. If it comes to it from behind the scene, it seems to indicate to me that the Dutch royal family got even a higher cloud in affairs than the Windsor's. Wow. And even up till today, mm -hmm. even that queen or former queen Beatrice from the Netherlands uh, has stepped down officially as uh, queen, and it is now her son, Alexander, or whatever his name is, who is now the, the queen, or uh, who's now the king. Beatrice herself is up till today, or at least uh, so far I know up till last year, she is still part of the inner core of the, of the Bilderberg group, and she got still a very big say in what is going on within that group. Mm. It was also her father, uh, Prince Bernard, who was one of the founders of the Bilderberg Group, together with Philip, Prince Philip from England. But, yeah, so I, the way it looks, even within the Illuminati uh, picking order, if you like, yeah, it seems that the Dutch royal house got even bigger cloud in certain ways than the Windsor's. That is at least out of what I have experienced in my childhood. Robert? Um, incredible. Folks, You're welcome. 
Robert's going to be back um, sooner than later. Get ready for Montauk Exposed Part 2. In the meantime, Robert, I just want to say I appreciate you. I am just marveling at your bravery and, and knowing what no one knows about the struggles and the challenges that you are daily overcoming through this season of your life where you are actively defecting, casting everything down that was imparted to you through the bloodline, through the programming and, and um, you, you know, purposing to break free. It's, it's just incredible to watch your journey. And um, I, I just applaud your bravery. You're welcome, and uh, yes, I hope the people that will following this and for future events to come, especially I want to say to survivors, if you have already not sought the help in from uh, Christian counselors like Daniel, I would advise you, if you really want to be set free, don't bother at all with secular counselors or psychiatrists, because they are lucky if they even able in 10 years of counseling to merge maybe one personality, although I think they do more harm than good, to be honest. But if you really want to be set free, to me, the only way how to do it is Jesus Christ. And that's the only thing what I have to say. And in the front, uh, front running organization in this, to me, not only because they're helping me, but what I see, what I do for all the others out there, is Bright Ministry. And if you're online, contact Bright Ministry or survivors. If you think you have been yourself being programmed and you went through satanic ritual abuse, contact them, tell them your story so far you know. And no doubt, I, I feel in time they will help you and they also will <clears throat> set yourself free for all the others out there. And the reason that I give those interviews is not only to educate others, but I also hope to be a lightning, uh, li lightning torch to other survivors to give them the hope and courage that there is a way out, there is a way to be set free in the name of our glorious Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who came to earth to set us free by shedding his blood on the cross for all our sins, past, present, and even future, so long you embrace him as your personal savior. And when you do this, you will have eternal life for eternity to come. Not in, not in the other place, but in heaven. And you will, you will be rewarded for that. And that's the only thing that I have to say for now. And I certainly hope to be back, not only in, in the next one in two weeks, but also I hope to come back in further shows in the future as well. As I said before, there is so much to, still to tell. Even on one subject, we could fill up a whole program. So let alone when we only touch on a few subjects, as we did now. And it was a delight to be back on your show. All right. Folks, um, this is why we are attempting to build a DID coaching school so that we can train people to be the hands and feet of Jesus to help those coming out of situations like Roberts and maybe situations that are not so intense and severe, but my oh my, 
is there a need? And we're trying to build it. And so you can visit us at bridemovement.com. Robert has a blog himself. So folks, that's um, beyond-the-illusionary-veil.blogspot.com. Folks, we're out of time for now. You're listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. Until next time, God bless and Godspeed. Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall is the premier radio program designed to center you on the kingdom of God, to equip you with faith in Jesus Christ, and to unveil the truth behind the lies. This program has been a production of Bride Ministries. You can find us at www.bridemovement.com. At our website, you can contact us, access resources, and support us with donations. We need partners in order to continue to produce our vision, which is to promote unity in the body of Christ worldwide and assist in the creation and development of sheep nations. Partner with us and be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Until next time, God bless and Godspeed.